Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Galatians 4 and verse 16. I am therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. Have you ever thought of that before? Paul's saying, you don't like me because I tell you the truth. Uh, that's why preachers aren't liked either, by the way, because they tell the truth. Well, generally speaking, they do. And uh, they get in trouble for that. But let's go on. This thought we're in right here. Verse 17, they zealously affect you and not well. Yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing and not only when I am present with you. So the only time you're good is whenever I'm around. Is that how it works? When the cat's away, the mice will play. And when Jesus Christ is back in heaven, all the, all the Christians behave as they want to behave. Or the preacher's not around. You'd be surprised when I've knocked on people's doors over the past, how their conversation changed from what I heard inside the house to when they found me at the door. It's the preacher. It's amazing how conversation changes. And I've been there. But verse 19 is the verse for tonight for us. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I want you to notice here the, the tense here that Paul is speaking with. Of whom I travail in birth, what? Again. And the tense of that could be again and again and again. Where Paul is saying, I, I go through a birthing process for you to be the Christians that you need to be. Over and over and over again. Not talking about salvation here. He's talking about us living this Christian life. Verse 20, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice. For I stand in doubt of you. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? And he's basically asking them to wake up. Do you know the law? You don't follow it. You know what I've been preaching, you're not following it. So I'm going to come stand before you and make sure you all behave. That's not the way we ought to be living, though, is it? But we're going to look at that thought here in a little bit when we think about uh, this thought of tonight. If Christmas comes, if Christmas comes, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for a chance to look into the Word of God this evening. First of all, Lord, I pray for these on our prayer list. I ask you, please, to be with these uh, that were mentioned tonight that I mentioned, Lord, that have a physical need. Some who are healing up from a procedure, like Willis and, and uh, Carol Nichols and uh, Shelby Harwell and others, Lord, who have gone through something. Those who are coming up upon a surgery, I believe tomorrow Miss Odell is having a procedure tomorrow. I ask you to be with her and the doctors performing that tomorrow and be with Willis as he's recovering and others that we love and care for so much. And Lord, we thank you that we bring them to the throne of grace and we know that you'll hear our voice and you'll uh, do what's according to your will. We'll ask you to be with the preacher tonight and his family as they're away from us a little time away. May you bless them and give them safe travels back as they head back this way. And may we have a great Christmas Sunday here at our church this week. Lord, now we ask you to bless our Bible time and the Word of God tonight. And may we all look for a special Christmas this year in our life personally. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Well, according to the calendar... Sunday is Christmas Day. But at this time of year, I always get a little bit, my, my wife has noticed this about me, 
I'm getting more irritable as I get older. I thought I would become more patient being older and slowing down myself, not able to do the things I used to do. But I found myself, and maybe some of you don't relate to this, but I found myself being more irritable. I'm more irritable with people who drive on the highway. I wonder how you got your driver's license plus a car. All right? I, I really wonder sometimes. But then probably some people say that about me. But, but, I, I, but I, what I get uptight about this time of year is that we are losing the true message of Christmas. Now, look, I am not against Santa Claus. I think he's a jolly old fella. Okay, don't get me wrong. I mean, our kids, we didn't tell our kids that there wasn't a Santa Claus. We didn't really bring it up, whatever, and all that. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm all for that. If you want to get pictures of Santa Claus and all that, please, go for it. But my concerns about Santa Claus is that we've not bring him into the church. A figment of someone's imagination. We now bring, what, what's happened? We're, I, get, I get uptight because in the church, it's not Santa Claus. It's Jesus Christ, our Savior, who was born to die for our sins. It should not be some imaginary thing that we enjoy. Don't, don't get me wrong. But we, I get uptight about that. I don't know how to convey that. Uh, and, and just the other day, and I probably shouldn't say this, because I know some of you are big heroes and fans of him, but I saw this, and I am too. I, I enjoy singing, but I think he's crazy. <laughs> but Mark Lowry, uh, right? Got the right name, right? He wrote the song, Mary, Did You Know? You see the YouTube there today about him singing that at this Christmas special this year, wearing a Santa shirt with a Santa belt, and he's singing, Mary, did you know? Okay, that's a little bit too far, even for a crazy man like Mark Lowry. And and I enjoy singing, but don't get me wrong here. But we're we're getting to that place. So uh, as a pastor, as someone who tries to teach the word, someone who tries to live by example, I want people to know that a loving God thought so much about us that in history, they sent his only begotten son to be born among us, to live among us, to die for us. It's not about family time. I'm all for family time. We're going to be traveling and see all of our family. Probably first family I haven't seen for quite a while. We've got a huge little reunion going on up in Ohio uh, later on next week. And I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. But he didn't come to die so we get together once a year and have family time. And I'm all for feasting. My favorite song is Feasting on the Manna. But we can't lose track of why we really have at Christmas time. This naturally prompts a question. Do you mean, Pastor Barry, is it possible for me not to have Christmas this year in my life? And my answer is yes. It is possible for every born-again believer to have a Christmas again this year in your life. It is possible. With all the activities of the season all the things that, that we enjoy and do and all the uh, uh, traditions that we may follow, I think sometimes we forget and we miss the real reason that we're even be a Christmas, if you would. Because, you see, Christmas really comes to our lives. It changes us. We're not the same. When you found Jesus Christ as your Savior, that was a Christmas day. It changed you forever. 
And I believe for the rest of our life, it should change us. We should be growing and changing as the life goes on. So for every year, millions of people, Christmas never really comes. I'm not saying December 25th doesn't come. But if, Chris, but if Christmas is going to come, it has not come into the lives and hearts of people, so they miss Christmas. So my prayer is that somehow this Christmas, on those of us here this evening, and myself included, that we will, uh, this Christmas, God's Spirit will direct a change in our lives today. I'll get to the verse in a second. Hang on. You say, how are you getting in there from where you're at? Hang on. I'll get there in a minute. With that in mind, I know some things I want to share with you tonight as we celebrate this Christmas season together. Number one is this. The Christmas season has come. It is here. Christmas decorations went up all over. I love Christmas decorations. I love when they go up. I love when they go down. I mean, I love when they go up. I love the auditorium the way it is. I used to love decorating the auditorium. I love that. Uh, I love walking to a place like that and seeing those things. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But I love January 1st when it's all gone. Because then it's like all emptied out. It's a brand new year, brand new start. I, I like all that. Don't get me wrong. I like that. I, I like trees and I like decorating, even though I've asked my wife to calm down a little bit because we've got many more things going on than decorations in our life right now. So we don't need to worry so much about those things. But there's been Christmas decorations for sale since Labor Day. Santa Claus already started making his appearance in the malls. It's funny, the other day I went down to the mall to pick something out uh, for one of our kids, and I got down there, the Carolina Mall, and poor Santa Claus was sitting there like this on the chair. <laughs> Nobody in line. It was, like, it was like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Nobody was there. I said, oh, poor Santa. I almost walked over and sat on his lap and got a picture with him. But the advertisements have doubled. I've never seen so, so much cologne and perfume commercials as I do between Thanksgiving and Christmas time. And I'm sorry I'm not going to Macy's and buying no smelly stuff. It's just amazing, isn't it? It seems like more attention has been given to our shopping habits during this day. From Thanksgiving, we call Black Friday, Cyber Monday. We're inundated with all kind of everyone you're hooked up to on your, on your uh, internet, they, they're, they're, how they're breaking in and they're giving you little ads about what they're selling and what's going on and things are going on. We know the season's here, don't we? And during the season, we are encouraged to buy things we can't afford with money we don't have. But while you're at it, they'll send you a, a, a thing from the bank that will loan you some money. Or they'll text you and say, $5,000 free cash. Don't believe that for a moment. And to give people things we're not even sure they like. That's the commercial side of Christmas. And I enjoy that. And I do enjoy that time. We have a little thing we do with our, with our adult kids. And we, we have a little thing called Elf Store that picks names out. And we don't know who's buying for who. And we exchange gifts on our time. And we, we enjoy, I, I enjoy all that. And they like when dad gets, gets their name because dad spends more than anybody else. And that's the way it should be, by the way. They only got to buy one present for out, of, out of six of, or eight of us now, or eight of us now, uh, then I'm going to buy the most expensive thing. Anyhow, I'm all for that. It's a festive time. Some get caught up in dressing up. 
going to parties, enjoying ourselves with family and friends. And as this day approaches, many will travel, finding, uh, finding their way over the river and through the woods, to grandma's house or go. And for those of us who can't be here physically, we can now FaceTime. And we can zoom in. And we can see them. That's great. I, wonder, I like all that. Did you hear about the man in Salt Lake City? You're going to like this. He decided on Christmas he's going to be super, super uh, uh, Christmassy. He sent out 600 Christmas cards to, to 600 total strangers. He got phone books, directories from several cities around where he lived at, around Salt Lake City, Utah, around where he lived at, so he didn't know who they were or anything. And he picked out 600 names from those people with addresses, and he sent them cards with return uh, envelopes in the cards, self-addressed uh, uh, envelopes. Amazingly, he received 117 responses from total strangers. One lady wrote and said, it was good to hear from you. Your card arrived the day I got home from the hospital. And I can't tell you what an encouragement it, it, was, it was to hear from a good old friend. <laughs> Another wrote, I have to admit, when we received your card, we really couldn't picture you. We had to think hard and long for a long time before we remembered. By the way, please give our regards to your father. He's such a wonderful man. But I think this one is the best one of all. One guy wrote to him, said, it was good to hear from you after all these years. By the way, we're going to be in Salt Lake City next summer. Would it be all right if we came by and spent a few days with you? <laughs> you need to be careful who you send Christmas cards to, don't you? The Christmas season has arrived also at our church. We've had two of the busiest weekends, two of the busiest weeks probably ever in our church's history. Two good weeks. Two really good weeks. We've reached out now to over a thousand different people, thousand different folks in our area in two weeks between the toy share and the drive through It's amazing outreach just in a few weeks. Now, it's been a, a months of getting ready and preparation, but it was great. It's been good. But now, this weekend, I'm taking off. We see the decorations. We hear the choir sing songs. And we see all the stuff we rejoice in. There is a reason for the season. Number two is this. But will Christmas really come? On the earth, the earth will make its 359th revolution on December 25th. And it will come right on schedule. But will Christmas really come? That's the question for us to ask ourselves this evening. So for that to happen, how does Christmas really come to the hearts and the lives of God's people? In my text there in Genesis chapter 4, verse 19, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I realize this verse is not usually considered a Christmas text, but listen to what Paul said. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until what? Christ be formed in you. And what Paul is saying is, I'm going to keep travailing for you until Christ becomes your life. Till Christ, when people see you, and I don't mean this, please don't take this in the wrong way. When, Christ, when people see you, they say, that person is a Christ-like person. 
That person lives like Christ would have lived when he was here. Not perfect, not without sin, not without error, but that person, his life, you can just tell. And you, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen those people. There's just some Christ-like aura that comes off these people. You know what I'm talking about. And Paul was saying to these people here in Galatia, I wish you, I'm developing for you because I want you to be born again and again, again, as you become a Christian that you ought to be. And by the way, I suggest that Christmas also is a good time to remind us of our need for Jesus to be born again in our lives, in our family lives, in our relationships. Listen, I don't mean, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about getting saved and saved and saved. You know, that's not who we, what I mean here. But we're talking about every day. Listen, every day of our lives, Christ can be born again in our lives. And Paul says, I am travailing. I'm giving birth. And I don't know how he knew how to do that. But I'm giving birth that you keep growing in the image of Jesus Christ himself until Christ be formed in you. It teaches me one thing, which is a side note here. I never will be Christ-like totally in my life until that day I see him face to face. But I am to be living a life that Christ is being formed in me daily. Uh, uh, Paul, Paul is saying, I want you to be born again, become the Christian God would have you to be. Uh, Christmas is a good time to remind ourselves that, that uh, how, is, how are things in your lives? How are things in your family? How are things in relationships? This Christmas, are those people in your family you want to avoid? Because you can't stand them. How's that for being frank? Oh, no, I got to go see aunt so-and-so again. You feel like that was an AT&T commercial whenever the ants come over to visit? And uh, you know what I mean? And uh, all aunt so-and-so is here. And uh, there's that person. Well, why don't you make this Christmas a Christmas where you try to get things right with that person? Whether that's something you need to do personally or you need to get that person off to the side and try to get things right between you. We'll get to that a little bit later on. We sing songs like, O holy child of Bethlehem, the center on us we pray. Cast out our sins and enter in and be born in us today. We sing those songs without really realizing, I love what Barry did earlier with the song, we're really not really thinking about what the song's saying to us. Another beautiful song mentions all the names of Jesus. He's our master, our savior, our lion, the uh, uh, the master, uh, uh, master, uh, uh, master, he's savior, lion of Judah, blessed prince of peace. He's our shepherd, a fortress, a rock of salvation, lamb of God is he, son of God, king of ages, eternal life, holy Lord God of glory. His name is life. And this time of year especially, let's not forget the fact that he's Emmanuel, God with us. Folks, we have adapted fairly well to our environments. And we've adapted fairly well to our technology. We've learned to breathe clean air. We've learned to drink purified water, and only smart water is the best. That's what the commercial says. We've learned to, uh, how to enrich the food that we're eating so it doesn't taste too bad, but it's still healthy for us. We've learned to program our computers 
operate our smartphones, figure out GPS systems. And the problem with GPS systems is the fact you no longer know where north is at. <laughs> you don't know where south is at. You don't know where east and west. That bothers me. Because one of the things we should pride ourselves, we know where north is. We know the sun comes up and the north goes down the south, right? <laughs> we don't even know anymore. Why? Because some lady on the phone tells me this is where I'm supposed to be going. But we've learned to adapt to these things. And overall, we've adapted pretty well in our modern world. And it's a shame, it seems like to me, that if we don't adapt in our churches, folks don't come. And that scares me. Because that means we truly haven't adopted the thought of having Christmas every day of our lives, not just one day of our lives. We've learned how to get along with each other or ignore each other. But let me say this. The tragedy I think that we're seeing today in relationship-wise with those we love, we worship with, or we work with, is the fact that we don't know how to get along together with each other anymore. We don't know how to get along together anymore. Even though more than 2,000 years ago have passed since the first Christmas, even though we're reminded every year and angels sang the message, peace on earth, we still haven't learned to live in peace with each other. So our greatest need this Christmas is to have Jesus formed in us to live in us. I know you won't believe this. You have a hard time with this. But there are people on this side of the church who won't talk to people on this side of the church. And that's not the way Christ-like people ought to be living. There are people who sit up front who don't like people who sit in the back. Now, I agree with that, by the way. <laughs> Only sinners sit in the back. And uh, no, we won't behind you yet, Tom, but anyhow, but anyhow, but, but I don't, but, but, but what, what do you mean? There, there are people that walk these same hallways, claim to be Christ lovers and refuse to get along with each other. Well, I don't like them because they smell. And you may be right. Was that a reason not to like them? Then a reason not to worship or serve with them? We check out the list of who's going to be there before we decide whether we're going to show up or not. But we don't get along with each other. We put up with each other. Well, I'll just go somewhere else. I mentioned this a few weeks ago in a message. I think my wife brought it up. That in fact, listen, you go to other churches, you know what they do there? They sing songs. They shake hands. They hug each other. They kiss babies. The preacher preaches. They take an offering. Same thing they do here. It's the same thing. And you'll find people there you won't like either. And you may find there people who don't like you at all. Because you're not stepping in their, their place. I know, I just... But it's a shame that God's people can't not get along. But Pastor Barry, you know, those people are just irritating me. You got a pastor for a while. People are irritating. People are irritant. And there's some ones that every time you see them, the scar gets opened back up again. Unless you're living Christ-like. 
And the Christ-like person can let things go. Because I promise you, there's somebody out there who doesn't like you. <gasps> Me? I'm so perfect? That's the problem. You think you're so perfect. And, and, and listen, I really, what, I, I see things happening. Listen, we understand when the world doesn't get along with each other. But now we have Christians lying against Christians. People throw, throwing accusations against other, other Christians. Preachers throwing accusations against other preachers in the church because they're jealous of what might be going on in their ministry. And they bring things up and throw it around. You, listen, do you not believe we all belong in the same family? We all have the same Heavenly Father. And one day we're all going to stand in front of the same Father and give an account for what we spoke about, His people who He loves. There is a day of accountability coming, Christian. I'm not saying you got to, I'm not saying you got to shake their hand or shine their shoes or wash their car. But you got to be able to say hi to them. You got to wish them well. I mean, we're supposed to love our enemies. The greatest test of your Christianity is how you treat your enemies. It's not how you love, your, how the, how you love the people who love you. It's how you treat your enemies. And sometimes you have enemies within the same family. That's how you have Christmas. Show the greatest t- this Christmas you may ever have by allowing Christ to be formed in our lives. You say, well, you're awful, awful hard on us this night for being Christmas. We need it, don't we? We all need it. To show us how to accept, for, to forgive other people and to get rid of tensions and div- that divide us, how to overcome our fears and prejudice. I need Jesus Christ Christmas this year in my life. That I can go over these things. That I won't be prejudiced. I won't be uh, fearful of people. I won't let uh, tensions. Uh, listen, can I be human for a moment? There are some people that I try to avoid. But I still love them. And I wish God's best for them. And I found out one thing. If I cared much for them and their families, I care about my family, my attitude toward them will change. Because they have the same desires, same hurts, same things I go through in my family, going through their family. I need to be a little more acceptable of what, where they're at in life. Why? Well, it's being Christ-like. Jesus Christ, from what he was accused of, spent more time with the sinners than he did with the Pharisees. And the high priest, and we don't know that, we'll get there. I've got to go on here. Uh, and then, well, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this thought, but prejudiced. I am just amazed at how racist God's people are. It is amazing to me still how, I don't care about the society, but they're, they're doing it the wrong way. Their way is not solving the racist problem. They make it worse. They, they're the ones that pick out who's black and who's white. They, they pick, they're, they're picking the boundaries and they expect you to follow in. It means that you have to accept everything they do, but don't worry about what, they don't care about what you, what you do is they can still come after you. It's crazy. But anyhow, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God's people in North Carolina, 2022, after Jesus died for your, died for your sins and saved your soul, saved your sorry self from going to hell, you still prejudice against people whom God loved and Jesus died for no matter what color they may be or not be. You say, well, that, that, that's pretty hard. Well, that's how you become Christ-like. That's how you become Christ-like. Anyhow, I've got to hurry. This is a real great Christmas sermon, isn't it? <laughs> Number three, how will Christmas come? 
I'm just, and I'm not accusing anybody in this room of anything tonight. I'm just giving you what I, things I see happening in, in God's world. How, do I, how does Christmas come? When you read Christmas accounts in Matthew and Luke, you read about Mary and Joseph making their way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. You read about the crowds of people who came to pay their taxes. Haven't we always had to pay our taxes? Can we get over that thought? Can we do away with taxes? Praise the Lord. But Luke takes us through the whole story of the shepherds and angels and Jesus being born again and then wrapped in swaddling clothes, placed in a manger. And then he adds something to this that we easily miss. And I think it, he adds it because he knows someone will ask this question. And we've asked this question. Why was Jesus born in a stable. And after an afterthought, Luke says, because there was no room in the inn. And there it is, and many have heard this thought before, but, but here it is. There it is. It bothers us. Because I used to think, why didn't Luke condemn the innkeeper for having no room? Well, folks, he had a stable. He had some place, didn't he? And if his rooms were full, his rooms were full. I mean, you want to put everybody together that's coming in town in the same room? But he doesn't make a comment about it. He doesn't say he was bad. Doesn't say he was good. He doesn't say he was right. Doesn't say he was wrong. But forever, this crowded inn that shut out Jesus Christ stands as a symbol of the crowdedness the cluttered lives that are still have no room for him. And it's amazing how many God's people will have Christmas this year with their family and not really consider what, is Christ, what Christ is to me in my life this year. What is, it, what is he to me this year? When you think the greatest gift you give is what you give to somebody else and the greatest gift you give ought to be the one you give to Jesus. It's not, well, what, it's not that we're bad people. It's not we're just busy people. And we have... Full schedules. And if we don't have time for him, then your schedule is just too cluttered. You need to allow some quiet time and be still to acknowledge that he is God. You, listen, you need to schedule daily time with God. You need to dial up your Bible daily and spend some time. I understand life is busy. Trust me. I understand it gets cluttered. I understand. I understand sometimes you get home at night after you spend a day working. I'm there. I don't want to do anything else the rest of the day. And to read the Bible would be kind of a waste of time. Maybe. But we need to schedule some time that we let God have that part of our day. That part that he wants to have a part of. I, I want his blessings, but I'm sure I don't want his cross. I want his forgiveness, but I don't want his judgment. I want his salvation, but I'm not sure I want to serve. I want a savior, but I'm not sure I want, I want a Lord to direct me what to do. As I read the Bible, I'm convinced the one thing Jesus teaches us over and over again is that we 
must make his kingdom a top priority in our life. And just as much as I shower and clean and shave every day, I need to make sure I spend time with God so my spiritual side of me can be cleansed and clean every day, that I can be the Christian and be informed of Christ as I need to be. But I have to choose to do that. There are a couple parables in, in Scripture that Jesus is teaching something. These two parables take up just a little portion of the New Testament, but they speak volumes. Jesus tells about the pearl merchant who looked all his life for that pearl of perfect price. He's gone from marketplace to marketplace, from city to city. He's accumulated some wealth in the process. He has a bag of precious pearls, other valuables he's collected. But he keeps looking for that perfect pearl. And I guess you catch the tenor of the the, uh, uh, parable is he's looking and looking and looking and acquiring whatever he needs to acquire to hopefully buy it one day. He's willing to give everything he has to get this pearl. Right? Yeah. Finally, one day, there it is right before his eyes. Within his reach, this wonderful, fabulous, perfect pearl. So he approaches the merchant trying to uh, act uninterested, and he asks him, well, how much is your pearl? The merchant says, it'll cost you everything you have. He tries to bargain with the merchant. How about this much? How about this much? The merchant never changes his price, never comes off the price. He says, it'll take everything you have. And finally, all of his other precious pearls, his wealth are placed on the counter. He walks away with that one wonderful pearl. And people, I believe this Christmas will never really be Christmas for us as long as we just casually desire walking in the kingdom of God. It does cost something to get that pearl. We've come, we live in a day of casual Christianity. I'm in by the skin of my teeth, everything else is all right. And you are in by the skin of your teeth. But everything else isn't all right. I'm supposed to be growing and becoming the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, everything, everything you are. Give me everything you have. Listen, at least a preacher say, and, and, and uh, even pastor says now and then, well, I don't think he's gonna, he would have took all that man's riches. I don't know, but if he did, he did. Right? If he did take everything you had and you served him, what better way could you be living than serving God? What, 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 which I will, what if I did give everything away? What would I have left? Jesus. What's better than Jesus? See, we don't believe that anymore, though. We don't, we don't believe that anymore. We got to have, we got to have what we have. We, you can't have it. We got to have our time. We got to have our whatever it may be. We got materialistic. We got to have it. But why? Isn't Jesus the most important thing to us or not? Number four is this, quickly. Come to Christmas with a feeling of, and I think this is the key to our life daily, of humility. We must come and walk this Christian life with humility. Finally, if Christmas is really going to be a Christmas for us, then I think we must approach Christmas with a feeling of humility. Now, I didn't grow up on the farm. I love preachers who have farm stories. 
I wish I grew up in a farm. I did grow up in the woods, but not in the farm. But I spent some time in the farm, a couple summers working with a farmer, trying to make some money, uh, bailing hay and other things. And, uh, but I had this story of this farm boy. They said he was raised up in the farm, and I can uh, uh, relate to what he said. Many of you can also. He said in the wintertime was the experience because during the coldest month of the years, the animals were inside the barn. Now, first, I know some of you down here don't understand what barns are for. But when you're from up north, it gets cold and snowy. And the animals are put inside the barn along with everything else in the barn. All right. So early in the morning, this man would go out and he milked the cows. If you went out with them, you have to wear galoshes. For those of you from the big city, that would be boots from those of you from down here. That would be flip-flops from those of you from Florida. <laughs> but you would wear those because of the manure. Because the animals were all inside. And you can, I can still remember, and hear him tell the story, I can remember picturing this, the smelling and the stench of seeing the steam rising off the cold floor and all that freshly piled manure. You got the picture? Think about Bethlehem and the stable with those animals. The stable must have smelled a whole lot like a barn full of animals and all things left behind. I see Mary and Joseph entering the stable, and inside her womb is God in the flesh. And I marvel that God would come down that far and sacrifice that much to enter into our world. Do you realize he could have been born in a palace? Anywhere between a palace and a stable, he could have been born. Could have been born. He could have been a Moses, right? And God led his steps along the way. But he was born in a stable. Yet it was the reason God stripped everything away, saying, there's nothing that stands between us. Because when you're living in a stable, you're about as low as low as you can go. There's nothing else there. There's no place for arrogance. There's no place for pride. You can't come here if you're looking down on someone else's nose from where you came from. And all through the doors of that stable come cows and sheep and livestock, and Mary and Joseph and each of us, by the way. We come to worship him, God born in the flesh. And without anything to brag about, we come humbly before him and we say, here am I, Lord, use me. Here am I, Lord, use me. I think that's what it takes for Christmas really to come in our lives. That this year, truly the Christmas gift ought to be, here am I, Lord, use me. Here am I, Lord, use me. Maybe this past year has been a stable type experience for you. And you're there right now. You've been humbled. It's easy for you to say those words, God, here am I. Use me.
Or maybe you've had the mountaintop year. This year has been great for you. Everything has fallen into place. I mean, manna has come from heaven. I'm not sure that happens living here where we're at right now in 2022, but okay. Because everything's gone up like 85%. And we got an 8% raise in the ray, right? You know, whatever. I don't know, maybe. But I do know this. If I really want to experience Christmas this year in my life spiritually, I need to say, here am I, Lord. Use me. I want to be born again and again become reformed to be like Christ. It may take a broken heart. It may take a broken will for Christ to be formed in all of us. That's when Christmas really comes. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God this evening. We thank you for this thought of Paul and trying to travail in his writings, his teaching to these people whom he loved, whom he cared for so much, who he speaks of the fact that he travailed and birthed for them, that they would become in the, live in the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ, that he, would, he did it over and over and over again. And Lord, may, as we enjoy this season with all the festiveness, the gift giving, the family time, the feasting, the, the traveling, the things we may enjoy this season, and we to look for a new year, may we humbly, spiritually, quietly in our lives say, Lord, here am I. Use me next year. Help me to have the most Christmas-type year I could ever have in 2023, spiritually speaking, in my life. Lord, thank you for the folks here this evening. May you bless them. Give us a good season together with all that we do. In your name I pray tonight. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.